You're listening to Chisholm and the Kid, a Kelowna Now podcast discussing our region's growing business sector and the movers and shakers behind it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nowcast Kelowna with Chisholm and the Kid. I am the Kelowna Kid, Colin Cutler. And I am the Kelowna Mike Chisholm. How's it going, everybody? Good. I feel like you were kind of mocking my tone there. Uh, I would never mock your tone. You're just trying, well, you're just trying to be me a little bit. I would imitate your tone uh, because I love it, but I would mock other things about you, potentially. Imitation is the purest form of flattery. That's what they say. Except for copyright laws, I think that... Well, I think there's a <laughs> there's a there's a there's a fine line between imitation and uh, blatant copyright rip off rip off. Yeah. yeah, that's what I would call it. All right, but uh, no, I would never. I would always be uh, the the flattery category for you, right. sir. It's an exciting day. This is a big deal for us. Yeah, this is. A, I would almost want to say this is a special edition of Chisholm and the Kid. Um, I don't know if it is a special edition or if it's just you know an edition that has some much it, more exciting things going on than just you and I going back and forth. It's an amazing edition. Plus, I've been just listening to you for the last eight episodes is kind of nice <laughs> to have anyone else i don't think so i think i think you have uh contributed in the best of Kelowna. um as far as the best of the now cast best of Kelowna, you were definitely the best of the now cast Kelowna podcast well, I, i'm I, great I, to talk to you sure yeah that's well absolutely sure. uh, what makes this podcast so special then today today we have the honor of talking to mr colin bazran the mayor of Kelowna, who actually just walked in He's two collins sharp. two collins one mic Two Collins, one mic. But we actually have three mics. Yeah, so two Collins, four mics. I guess that's, that's, math. that's the tally right there. We're yeah. not good at math. No, we're not. Yeah. I'm really excited for this podcast today. Um, Colin and I actually grew up together. We went to school together. And uh, 10 years later, you came through the same school that we went to. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun today talking uh, to the mayor and just talking about what brought him here. And uh, it's an election year, so I'm sure we'll have him back on closer to the election and talk about some of the more... Boring. I don't know if you want to say boring things. That was Rudy's right there. He's looking at us and you just said boring. I know. Maybe he'll bring some excitement to it. Well, in that future podcast, we'll see. But in this one here, he's bringing the excitement today. That's what I'm excited about. All right. Well, let's get at it. Hope everybody enjoys. Absolutely. Well, here we are with the mayor of Kelowna, Colin Bazran. Colin, thank you so much for being a guest on Nowcast Kelowna with Chisholm and the Kid. Well, of course. I wouldn't miss this opportunity. I love you guys. Here we are. Two Collins. Four mics. Four mics, because we did the math earlier. We did do the math earlier. So when's the last time all three of us were in the same room? Well, oh boy, boy. Um, it would have been uh, Invasion, an Invasion wrestling event. It would have been. In Centennial, Rutland Centennial Hall. The three of us were there, Colin. That's uh, when I beat up Mike Rizzo. You did. You ah. came in and you gave Mike Rizzo the business <laughs> in the middle of the ring, but in front of like 600 people uh-huh. at Rutland Centennial Hall. That was a fun night. That was a fun night. My one and only um, foray into, uh, into wrestling. That was really neat, and uh, I remember backstage that night. You were you were walking back, and you were talking to uh, I think it was was it Jeff Jarrett that we had here that night. I believe Jeff it Jarrett. was Jeff Jarrett. Yes, yeah. and you were just you were talking to a lot of the performers and just watching how the event was crafted and how these matches were crafted. I remember you being fascinated by that. I was totally fascinated by it. It was my, you know my first real up close and personal look at a wrestling event, and then to uh, allow me behind the curtain, so to speak. I, I just thought it was so cool, just how um, you know the the goings on of what goes into an event like that. Um, what really struck me too is the camaraderie between uh, all of the wrestlers, which mm-hmm. I think was so cool. 
Um, and then, um, you know, just to be a part of it too. So I was nervous, of course. Uh, but I just, I loved it. I was just blown away. And um, yeah, I just, it, it gave me also a newfound respect too for the events that you're putting on um, and for uh, the, you know, the Kelowna kid here uh, for actually uh, day in and day out, uh, you know, busting his ass to try and, uh, you know, make a go of it. So I, I was just totally blown away. And, and I, I thank you for allowing me to just have that little glimpse because uh, not everybody gets that opportunity and I think it's one of the uh, you know oftentimes people say to me like you get to do some really cool stuff and I would put that into the really cool stuff category of things that I get to do as as the mayor that maybe I wouldn't have gotten to do otherwise that's a huge honor hearing you say that um, and yeah Colin I mean you know you you manage the Y downtown here but you you were involved in this world of pro wrestling <laughs> at the same time what um, actually hold on while we're talking about wrestling yeah. and so we're talking to you know pretty tough guys here and gals um how's your man cold by the way i saw on the social media you had a bit of a man cold a couple weeks ago i just want to make sure you're okay have you fully recovered everything's good well you can kind of hear it a little bit um yeah i was doing like 12 hour days last week with the new management position so it was a little brutal and you know 10 years of wrestling but that man cold that that knocked me down for the three count i hear you i just want to make sure i just want to make sure we're okay I survived it though. Fair I'm enough. Here. That's I good. made it. I tell you, they wiped me out too. So I'm I'm, yeah. I'm not one to judge because I'm right there with you, my friend. Uh, we all are susceptible to the man cold. Um, the other thing, another thing that that is in common for us is, it, yeah, we were at Rutland Centennial Hall in that that wonderful invasion event, but we all went to Rutland uh, Middle School and Rutland High School together. Rutland Rutland Senior. Rutland another, Junior, though, it's still Rutland Junior to me. To me too, man. Yeah, Rutland Junior. To me, uh, yeah, and and for those who. Uh, those were keeping score back then. It was home of the Wildcats. It you was. Remember we were the Wildcats. We that was our rugby were. team. Yep. And you weren't a Wildcat, were you? No, I was a Voodoo. I still you were Junior Voodoo. Junior Voodoo. Junior Voodoo. Junior Voodoo. And then you go over to the senior, and then you become become a Voodoo. We became Voodoo's at that point too. So yeah, we went to school. You went to Rutland until grade eleven. I went to Rutland uh, ha- until halfway through grade twelve. Okay. And then made a decision to switch halfway through my graduating year to go to um, KLO, which was then a secondary school as well. Um, mostly because of a good friend of mine who was also, um, uh, uh, you know, I, I guess well known to a lot of people in our community. And his name is Jason DeLerm. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, so at the time, he rocket was... Rocket alumni. Yeah. So a former uh, Kelowna Rocket captain. Mm. And uh, so at the time, the Kelowna Rockets were still in Tacoma. They were the Tacoma Rockets back then. And they and that summer, they were planning to move for their inaugural season here in Kelowna. Anyway, long story short, Jason DeLerm and I uh, were very close growing up. And the only um, school that worked out timetable-wise for myself and for him coming back from Tacoma was KLO Secondary School. And we wanted to graduate together. And so, uh, unfortunately, I had to make the tough decision to, uh, to leave Rutland halfway through my graduating year. But it was an opportunity to go and graduate with uh, one of my best friends and uh, also a number of other hockey buddies that I had at KLO at the time. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a tough decision to make. But uh, at the end of the day, I had a, a great half year at KLO, too, and enjoyed my time in Rutland. And it served me well because um, a, a lot, you know, I, I keep in contact with both groups. And so uh, I was pretty fortunate that I got to graduate tech, you know, almost technically uh, with two different groups. And so I was pretty fortunate in that sense. One thing I remember about you going to high school um, together, first off, you used to wear the rep hockey jacket you remember back in the day you had the i remember those jackets yep 
You guys and and your your hockey crew. Those would great Kelowna minor hockey leather and felt jackets. Uh huh. And think you we guys were awesome cruising through the halls with those. You and Jason and, and and there's a big group of you that were that were together. But the one thing I remember about you in particular, uh, whatever sport you played, whatever group you were a part of, and and this kind of goes back to why you moved from Rutland over to to KLO is you always just wanted to be with your friends and you always wanted to kind of include everybody. That was something that I just remember about you. I remember we took that rugby trip to to, to yeah, Europe to the UK, together. Yeah. And uh, if ever there was a kid that kind of fell back or um, maybe wasn't having as good of an experience or, or whatever, you were the guy that always went around and said, hey, how's it going? And you try to include people. Um, is that something that you were born with? Is that something that, that, that your parents kind of tried to instill in you? Or do you just were you just always that guy? Um, I think it sort of came around or came about naturally. But I think part of it is upbringing, too. Um, my grandparents and my parents. So uh, I came from uh, families that always loved, um, you know, uh, having people over and having social gatherings. So I, I think it sort of came, I came about it naturally. And uh, I love my friends. I love being in the know. So a lot of my friends wouldn't be surprised to learn that I'm doing what I'm doing now um, because I was always the person who sort of kept up with what everyone was doing. And then people would phone me and say, hey, how's so-and-so or what's going on with that person? And I'd be the one to give an update. So probably not entirely surprising either that my first career was as a news reporter, just right. being in the know and then telling those stories, which I guess, I, like I say, I sort of came about naturally because that's just what I always did um, and, um, and, and loved my friends friends uh, uh you know friendships um yeah pretty fortunate to have uh, you know a, a, a good number of, of, of friends and uh you two included and it's just cool to be able to uh yeah to know what everyone's up to and to be able to and I, and that's the other thing too i want to be able to support everybody in the cool things that you're doing and and so that to me is is pretty special now to sort of be in a position too where i can help community and, and help out my friends who are doing some really special things in the city that's awesome um so give us the timeline here. We went from from high school yep. to media to real estate to politics. Is that how is that basically how it went? That's essentially it. Although I sort of right after high school, I will um, freely admit that I sort of floundered a bit. I didn't really want it. I didn't know what I wanted to do uh, with my life. Um, I thought initially I wanted to be a teacher, but it was taking me a really long time to get through school. I was attending uh, what was then uh, Okanagan University College, yep. and you do not want to see my transcript because it's awful, um, because I just wasn't taking school seriously, wasn't really taking life seriously, was, again, enjoying time with my friends, uh, probably a bit too much, and uh, driving my parents crazy. Um, and it wasn't until uh, a friend of mine, uh, her name is uh, Carly Sieben, um, married to uh, Kelowna City Councilor Brad Sieben, who had just finished the broadcast journalism program at BCIT. And I was working at a radio station at the time, and she said to me, you know what, have you looked into this broadcast journalism program? I think this is right up your alley. You might like this. And uh, I thought about it, and I was like, well, I'll, I'll look into it and, and check it out. And uh, sure enough, no longer had I checked it out. I was applying and managed to get into the first intake uh, that was available to me at that time. Got in, and that program essentially changed my life. It was a, a two-year program and um, is one of the most highly sought-after broadcast programs in the country. And um, it didn't, and for the first time, it didn't, school didn't feel like work. 
it felt like fun. And so I was, you were just so pumped to go to school every day to this program. And so I knew that I had found something special and that I really enjoyed. And so um, finished that program. And part of the second year of the program is doing practicums. So I came back to Kelowna and did a practicum at uh, CHBC, now Global. Mm -hmm. And uh, they happened to like the work I was doing and said, hey, um, you know, you're, you're from here. Um, people know you. How do you feel about working here? And I was like, as a kid born and raised in Kelowna, yep. when, and, and then the opportunity to be on TV, I'm like, wow, like absolutely. How does it get any better than this local kid on TV? Uh, and so it, I did uh, about six, seven years with uh, CHBC, including uh, when I finished the journalism program, it was around 2002. Uh, that then flowed into 2003. We all know what happened here in 2003 mm -hmm. with the massive fire. And uh, that was an incredible time to be a, a journalist in this city. And uh, so I had a great time at, uh, at CHBC, and uh, that's sort of opened the doors for, for other opportunities. What is it like to try to get in and to go up the ranks when you're getting into journalism? What kind of pieces are you doing when you first start, and how do sure. you get yourself into the, the bigger pieces? Yeah, it's, it's tough, like, but I'll admit I lucked out uh, to be able to come back to my hometown and get a job at the TV station yeah. doing exactly what I'm doing um, was, you know, was pretty fortunate. Um, but that's part of it is you've got to be willing to move. So a lot of my cohort was from Vancouver, wanted to stay in Vancouver. So it's so they weren't willing to move to a smaller city to sort of cut their teeth. So a lot of them would have to start in radio and, you know, uh, you know, starting with, the, you know, the basics like traffic reports. Um, and then you sort of wake, work your way through there. And some eventually made their way from radio into television. Um, and uh, but yeah, I think initially you've got to be prepared to move to a smaller city right. where you can do a little bit of everything. Um, and uh, and so you know the stories you do. I mean, even those, no matter how long you've been in the biz, uh, there are some stories where you know every year you're going to end up doing the you know you're going to end up doing the gee is there a run on snow shovels after a major <laughs> snowstorm? Um, there's the uh, you know oh so and so has turned 100. What's the key to living so long? Sure. Um, there's the you know there. There's always stories that I'll turn on the news and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that reporter got stuck with that story this week. Um, but at the end of the day, it is is pretty cool. But we're seeing, well, there's a number of things that are changing with journalism, which we're, I think we're all familiar with, the, with the consolidation of, of, you know, different stations into massive Outlets, conglomerates. Yeah, into, yep. um, the fact that very few journalists now have time to do investigative reporting and really shining a light on uh, some of the more serious issues in our communities. Um, yeah, so journalism's changed a lot. I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say for the better, um, but I can, you know, and, and one of the, uh, I, I will say this though, and I'm, I'm happy it's still on the air. One of my, actually my favorite journalism show is, is 60 Minutes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I still think 60 Minutes uh, does it right. They, they have the opportunity to be able to do that, but of course not every station obviously has the uh, budget to be able to uh, fly people around the world and take the time to do stories like that. Uh, but that to me is always what's fascinated me and some of my uh, you know greatest idols are, are from uh, 60 Minutes for sure. Are you familiar with anything that Vice is doing these days? Uh, I'm to a degree, yeah. But it's it's not something that I I will admit I've taken the time to actually you know follow or, or seen a lot of their uh, their coverage of, of different um, events or issues. Well, it's funny that, that you mentioned sixty minutes and and, and these uh, investigative expose type stories um, that are balanced. They show it from both sides. Vice seems to be 
the new version of that and it's a it's 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 good to see because like you say it's alarming to see some of these media outlets and 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 you see the bit on you know conan o'brien or some of these other uh, um shows that sometimes will mock you know when it's like 15 different newscasters saying the exact yeah. same copy from different places all around the country it's and scary it's, it, it's funny to watch it but it's scary when you think about it and uh it's interesting that, that you come from that time where you kind of saw the transition of that. You saw the before and the after all these years later, you're the mayor of the city uh, of arguably the greatest city in the world. It's no real argument in this room. Um, I think the only argument is with people who haven't been here. Uh, when you think back to that, were there any stories that now looking back uh, with your journalism career in the past, were there any stories that that's that, that, that kind of ring true to you or that you think about, or, or you remember that one really, really well, they impacted you? Interesting. Good question. And I will admit that's not something I've actually thought back on. Well, Colin, so you, you, you know, know you, you can't you can't hear wood burning right now, but it's 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 definitely burning in this brain of mine now. Something that we pride ourselves on here yeah. at Chisholm and the Kid is asking the hard hitting hard questions. Hitting questions. I, I wasn't expecting those. <laughs> they come I'm not going to lie. Top of our head. <laughs> yeah, they come right from the top of the head. That's what oh, they are. Boy. Um, <laughs> well, I know you talked about the fires. The fire must have been a big one. That must oh, have that, been a that huge. was huge. And I, I guess what. That was sort of a precursor to which we're seeing now, and I don't know how political or in-depth we want to get about it, but climate change. Climate For change sure. is real. And that was maybe a, a glimpse of what was you know, soon to come in terms of we are seeing more frequent fires. We're seeing more frequent flooding in our community than we've ever seen. Yep. Um, so you know, off the top of my head, that's probably one where you go... Okay. Um, We're connecting some dots. What was that telling us back then? Yes. And did we do a good job of listening? Mm, I don't think so. How no. do you feel about climate change deniers? Because I heard a statistic, and I believe it's in the can States. We, are we allowed to swear on the show? Yeah, sure. sure. Well, they can, can edit it out. We, want, we don't yeah. edit, so you go for yeah. it. But I've, I've that's, heard that's that That's an Uncle Jim decision. <laughs> it's like 50% of people in the United States don't believe climate change is real. And I could be wrong with that statistic because we're clearly not sure. statisticians. Is that right? Stat yeah, I don't know. We're close. Sure. But it's it's scary, though, if you have such a consensus uh, in the scientific community, and yeah. then you still have this low perception of, I guess, reality. Well, let's just think, though, what that stat actually means. I think that that's a sad indictment on the education system in the United mm, States. Yes. I think. Let's just start there. Um, but so how do I feel about climate change deniers? Well, they're entitled to their opinion, but I like facts. I like science. I yep. like evidence. And um, there's no disputing the, the science, the facts, the evidence that we are killing the planet. And we need to start living differently. And maybe we'll Correct. get into that next time when we talk about the, uh, the boring uh, yeah, political the boring start. Part. He was right but, there. Uh, I know, man. You know, um, yeah, we, we, we need to start living differently. And that's the fact of the matter. And I know that um, a lot of people have the attitude of, well, until they start uh, living differently in different countries, so, you know, because we, you know, we're pretty responsible here in Canada. Um, until those other countries figure it out, figure it out, why should we do anything? That drives that actually it makes that me cop sad out. to hear. It's a cop out um, because totally. we all play a part, and yeah. and so even if it's something that may seem insignificant here, it, it actually is playing a part, and it is making a difference. And w this is something we all need to fix. Mm -hmm. And so I always encourage people to uh, you know look in the mirror and ask, what can I do to make a difference, as opposed to well, my neighbor isn't doing anything about it, so why the heck should I? Right. Uh, that, that is completely the, the wrong attitude. I think the other argument it, from climate change denier is that the climate's always changing. This is a popular sure. argument, but 
we're talking about the climate changes over a million year span, if that's what you want to argue. But the climate change that's being researched is within like the last hundred. Well, we can track and, it. Yeah, the, yeah, what we can track. And it's our influence on the environment. And that's the scary part. And I think that's what gets overlooked by these deniers. And they're just clinging to that one that one argument. Well, I, I had to laugh. I saw somebody post a, a Facebook article or a Facebook video, and it was a climate change denier railing. And I laugh because, again, talks to the education system in the United States a little bit. So um, he was saying, he was railing about how is it that 97% of scientists can be uh, um, or can believe in, in climate change when in some of these studies, they only ask 77 scientists what they thought. Oh, my <laughs> word. <laughs> and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, anyway. <laughs> so, so I was like, yeah, Math. you clearly can't yeah, have 97% right. of the 77. Uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, no. So I just was howling and this was, and people were sharing this video like, yeah, right on. And then it's like, okay, hold on. Like just back up the first thing he said, he didn't even, yeah, anyway. Well, it's a real lack of fact checking now. <laughs> and there's a, a term deemed the post-truth era that we're kind of in now because there's so much information on the internet that you can literally Google any opinion that you yeah. have and get the result that you want, regardless Correct. of whether or not it's majority. And I think that's kind of a, a scary thing. And then, like you said, the educational system kind of falls behind and it's a whole yep. mix of things. So with your past, I mean, do you take that into consideration when you're putting messages out there to the city? Like, do you take into consideration what the spin might be? Um, I don't know about that. Like, we don't think about spin per se. We're, we're just trying to get messages out. And, and however people want to perceive that or take that, I guess. Um, we still at the city of Kelowna believe in the good, uh, in, uh, the, in humankind. And, uh, and so we're not trying to really cater spin as to, hey, here are the facts, make your own decision. And, um, you know, that's also part and parcel to being on council is, is um, nobody will ever have the full picture um, other than the nine people who sit around the council table and, and right. the city of Kelowna staff. And so you just do the best you can to get as much information out as you can and, and then let people decide from there. Um, and, and that's where um, I sometimes struggle a little bit because um, you, you want people to, um, let's just say this, the criticism hurts. And so you mm. want people to sort of see it from your perspective, knowing full well, though, that we all see the world differently. And... Um, yeah, at the end of the day, it's just getting as much information out there, letting people make a decision, and having the faith that I and council are making the decisions that we believe are best and with the most information possible, and being comfortable with that decision, and, and letting the cards fall where, where they may. Well, I, I want to speak to that from a, and I, and I mean, you know, I, I guess I don't really have the most impartial uh, opinion, because I mean, I've supported you right from the beginning, because I'm really, really excited to see um, someone that I know and, and, and knowing what I know about you, even in your formative years, thinking, yes, that is the type of person I would love to see um, helping to be part of the leadership of Kelowna and then becoming, you know, the the head of the leadership of Kelowna. Um, I just look at how you guys handled the, the flood last year. And I mean, there's no manual for that. No. There's, it's a new it's a new thing it's like holy crap that happened like one time when we were growing up yep. you came across the bridge the old bridge which i don't even recall by the way I, I i remember it but but it was such a it's, it was such a blip and yep. i remember some sandbags being there and, and people on abbott being you know kind of concerned or whatever but nowhere near what we went through last year uh, there's no handbook for that no. 
For sure not. And you're trying to get these messages out there. You're trying to get these things. And, and never mind what Colin, uh, what Cutler was just talking about with mistruths and things like that. You just want to get the right information out in people's hands so they can react yeah. and, and all work together. Yeah, we just wanted people to be prepared. That was the, the bottom line. And also just, yeah, try and get as much information out as possible. But that was unreal. Um, I, I never thought I would see the lake like that. Yeah. And it turns out that, again, because of uh, factors... Well, I guess sort of in our, in our control, but because uh, we've helped create this, but uh, because mm. of climate change, this is going to become a regular occurrence. So, as a community now, uh, how do we adapt to that? So, it's going to mean we need different infrastructure yep. and significant amounts of infrastructure to be able to deal with this. So, uh, what we're looking at right now is is sort of a, a a watershed management plan to talk about expanding of upper um, you know level reservoirs to be able to hold more water back. Um, and, and, and creating, uh, yeah, creating infrastructure to make sure that we protect our residents, but also to make sure that, uh, we also have a supply of water that can get us through the, the, you know, the lean times, the drought times as well. So it, it's, it's pretty messed up when you think about it. Yeah, man, the changes that have, that you've seen, um, and going back. Okay. So, so I want to, I want to still continue this pathway. Sure. Uh, so you were a journalist. Yep. And then real estate after that? Yes. So I uh, left CHBC yep. to uh, to sell real estate. And I, I can get into a little bit about that. So um, I was doing the news and I really wanted to be the sportscaster. Pat Kennedy, love him. <laughs> uh, local uh, icon here in our community sure. and still is doing some great work with the Central Okanagan Sports Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. uh, but he was the sports anchor and he was, um, you know, not retiring at the time. And I really wanted to be the sports anchor. And, um, and so I was like, well, Pat's going to be here for a while. And, um, I don't know that I want to keep doing news forever. So my options were move to another community or find something else to do. And, uh, I certainly didn't really want to move away from here. And, uh, and so made the decision to, and it was a tough one. Um, and, and but I, I left the station, got into real estate and, uh, sold commercial or not commercial real estate, residential real estate for, uh, about eight years. Uh, and in that time, made the decision to run for council. Uh, and so was on city council for three years while I also uh, sold real estate because you uh, uh, being on council is only a, a part time job. Well, yep. it's, it's full time yeah, hours, yeah. but it only pays part time. So sure. still kept my uh, real estate license and sold real estate. And uh, that was a really cool job, too. And so I would say both journalism and the real estate have been two pretty good careers to have uh, to sort of prepare me for um, what I'm doing now because both are very topical in the sense that uh, obviously I deal with the media a lot. So that has helped me that training and then uh, real estate because we know that housing is just so topical and top of mind with so many residents right now with uh, the escalating prices and with the low vacancy rate. So I think um, the understanding and knowledge that I, I got from my time in real estate has certainly served me well as, as well. What made you want to run for council? How do you make that jump from real estate? You just wake up one day and decide, Councilman Bazran, sounds right. good? Or So I always knew at some point I would get involved in politics. I've been a political oh, junkie my okay. entire life. Okay. Um, and it started, uh, so born in 1977, so I'm 40, turning 41 this year. 
And so growing up in the in the 80s, I saw Ronald Reagan's speech on TV in the mid-80s, and I told my mom at the time that I wanted to be the first Canadian president of the United <laughs> States. And, and so that, I think, was a pretty clear indication. But I've always been interested in politics, and uh, partly because of my grandfather, um, Jaginder, on my uh, father's side, who was also uh, you know involved in local politics, um, just backing different candidates and being politically active, uh, campaigning and fundraising for various candidates. Candidates. So I've always been around it, but where it again it really triggered my interest was uh, in um, you know social studies in school. Mm. So especially current events quizzes, I used to crush current events quizzes because I would read the newspaper every day before school and just find out what was going on in the world. And and so again, not surprising then that my first career was as a journalist because I just loved knowing what was going on in the world. So I knew always at some point that I would run for council or, or, or for politics. Didn't know it would be council at the time, um, but then you you know you you learn and, and evolve. And so how did it happen? I. I just knew that this city had so much potential and the council of the day when I decided to run for council, I felt was not honoring that potential and that uh, that spirit of growth and entrepreneurship and pro progression. And so I made the decision. It's kind of like parenthood where you can read all the books you want. You can ask all the people what it's like, but you just, until you do it, you know, you don't know until you do it. And that was the same thing. And, and I, I, I sort of pride myself too on being a person who doesn't just say they're going to do something and never do it. Right. So I made the decision that I was going to run for council and I was going to put my name forward and I did and was fortunate enough as a first-time candidate to uh, finish third in the polls. That's incredible. And um, and then, you know, yeah, I got on council and it was an amazing council. So many great people to learn from. Um, Were you on when, was Robert Hobson still there? When Robert Hobson was there. Oh, my Lord. He was a very uh, long-time counselor. Wow. Andre Blonley. Yep. Uh, Walter Gray. Uh, Jerry Zimmerman, our former fire sure. chief. So we had some really incredible people to learn from. Yeah. And, um, and counselor Luke Stack, Gail Given, and then Maxine DeHart and Mohini Singh rounded out that council. And I wow. tell you, we had a, we had something special. It was an amazing three years, and we we learned a ton from each other and got a lot done. I felt like to move our city forward, and uh, and then made the decision to uh, to run for mayor after that because I felt that with Walter Gray retiring, um, a number of us felt it should be somebody from that council to carry on the momentum. Yep. And uh, and I was fortunate to uh, be the one to be able to do that. I think about how this city has changed, even uh, optically, since that council. Because it's eight years ago this year, I guess, is when it when it would have been, or seven years ago this year. Yeah, it would have been, the, yeah, seven years. So, um, or pretty you, close. You look yeah. at the skyline. You look at the the changes of this city in the last seven years, and it is nothing short of of, of jaw dropping. Um, we always used to have as a city the reputation that our it wasn't really conducive to growth. We want everything to stay the same. We don't want anything to really change. We're kind of almost an isolationist type of of, of mindset. Um, when you decided to become part of the leader of, or wanted to become uh, part of the leadership of, of, of Kelowna was it a matter of you know what the current group isn't passing the baton so I'm going to take the baton was there some of that or was it diplomatic the whole way uh, so you're talking when I ran for council? Sure, yeah. No, I don't think it was very diplomatic. I think it was pretty clear that there were a number of us running because we weren't happy with the council of the day. Gotcha. And so without getting, you know, without rehashing too much of that, no. uh, it was a pretty clear, um, there are two choices you can go. Uh, we can keep going with the status quo and continue to see opportunity lost and go, go elsewhere, 
or you could go with uh, a group uh, my, which included myself and, uh, and others where we can uh, really uh, invite some investment into our community, start creating jobs, start being more progressive and really have Kelowna grow and become the city that we all know it can be. And, uh, and I think that the, uh, the results spoke for themselves in that the fact um, that uh, a number of us who felt that way got in, um, I think speaks to the fact that Kelowna was ready for a council to uh, start making some decisions to allow development um, and to allow uh, jobs to be created, to uh, champion entrepreneurship, arts and culture, um, a number of different things to really grow some uh, vibrancy economically and culturally mm-hmm. uh, to get our, our city moving. Well, you guys have done an incredible job with that. Um, I don't know what it was like with you. I'm going to call you Cutler, just you know, to differentiate the two Collins. Cutler um, and Baz. Cutler and Baz. Baz. All right. That sounds like good. Um, but when, when, when Baz and I graduated, I mean, there was the mill, there was Western Star, there were, you know, a few, uh, you know, bigger companies that you could go work for if you didn't go off to school and come back. But the people who did go off to school had a really hard time coming back because there weren't a lot of those jobs. Right. That is not the case now. It's certainly far better. Yeah. Uh, it's still a bit of a challenge, but it's getting better every, every day. I mean, when you look at, you know, job boards, um, you'd be, you know, it's, it's amazing how many jobs uh, are available. Um, one that I would really check out is uh, the Accelerate Okanagan job board. Yes. When you look at the number of tech jobs that are available in this community, um, and we are actually struggling to fill some of those skilled um, jobs right now. And fortunately, we have two great uh, post-secondary institutions in UBCO and Okanagan College helping tailor programming to help fill some of that. Uh, because I really do believe that that's what's holding Kelowna back right now is the lack of skilled labor. If we can somehow figure that out, and we are, um, but over time, if we can help fill some of those jobs, you're going to see a number of different companies just take off because what's really holding them back right now is they just don't have the, the horsepower to be able to grow to the the, the level um, that the demand is actually um, calling for. So we need to breed them horses locally. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. But we also need to track them from elsewhere too. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, yep. it's, it's, a, it's a combination of a number of things for sure. But uh, we also want, um, we want people from around the world to be able to call Kelowna home too because they're going to bring their customs and their way of life here. And that's going to help w- make our community richer. Absolutely. How has your overall vision for Kelowna changed since when you first became mayor to that's now? That's a great question. I I appreciate that because that's one I'm really passionate about. So I have become a bit of an urban planning um, nerd, uh, (laughs) I'll call it, uh, because that's something I'm really passionate about that I had no clue uh, coming into the job that I, well, I I did to a degree, but not to what, you know, how I understand it now. So what really excites me is, and and it sort of ties into a number of different things we've talked about, climate change, cultural diversity, arts and culture, um, a vibrant, progressive city. So there is a book that has pretty much changed my life, and it's called The Happy City by Charles Montgomery. And what it talks about is how urban design can actually impact people's happiness and health, uh, mentally and physically. So what I'm really passionate about is creating a city. Let me back up. We need we need to create room for forty thousand new residents in Kelowna in the next twenty years. Oh boy! So where are we going to put all those people? So what we envision is putting those people into, or is putting as many of those people as we can into our town centers. So we have five town centers in Kelowna: downtown, South Pandozi, the landmark area, the area around the mall, and Rutland. 
So we have plans to push as much of that um, new growth into those town centers. And why that's important is because if we continue to sprawl as a community, mm-hmm. one, it's going to be costly to run services out there, infrastructure, build amenities out there, um, where we already have those amenities in the town centers. Mm-hmm. And, but we, what we need to do is keep investing in, in good parks in those town centers, good community amenities, good arts and cultural spaces, what's called, what are called complete communities. And we need people to live in smaller spaces and utilize different methods of transportation or modes of transportation. And we need to connect those town centers with good active transportation corridors so, so for people to be able to cycle, uh, walk. And we need to connect those uh, town centers with good transit. And if we can do that, we will actually lessen the carbon footprint, which is what we've been talking about, Mm -hmm. because now you um, create an environment where a single occupant vehicle maybe isn't needed. Um, And uh, and we also know that transportation is changing. But anyway, long story short, that sort of way of thinking, I'm I'm really passionate about, and it's really what I want to see for our city. And and so that's something that I want to continue to champion is encouraging people that we need to live differently um, but it can be better and it's, it can be better for your health and it can be better for the environment and we can have a better community as a result of it so uh, anybody out there who uh, who wants to learn more about it the happy city um, and if you want to learn more about why the city of Kelowna is making some of these decisions it's because of uh, we need to change and, and live uh, live differently we can't keep sprawling as a community because that's only going to encourage more automobile use and more automobile dependent way of living which we know is is not the way to go yeah it's almost too bad we're just audio here because just seeing the passion you have oh, is I know. literally he's vibrating as he talks about this and that's really cool we really appreciate you being here and having this conversation with us and the time has just flown by we got to wrap it up here is if people want to have their voice heard to their city council how do how does one go about that yeah so there's a number of different ways um we have public hearings on development every uh, second Tuesday night. So if there's a development that uh, you want to, you know, tell us about uh, in terms of how you feel about it, yes or no, um, you you have that opportunity. We have a number of massive um, city initiatives right now that will feed into all of those things I just talked about about what how we're trying to live differently. So we're doing we're redoing our official community plan right now. So there is going to be a number of uh, opportunities for people to come and give their input about what do you want Kelowna to look like for the ne- over the next 20 years. So there's that. Um, we're doing a transportation master plan for our city. So there are going to be opportunities for people to come and give their input about how should we be getting around our city right now. So uh, what I would say is... is I get onto the City of Kelowna website and sign up for alerts of the things you want to know about, like development, like transportation, like um, our planning. And then it'll send you reminders of, hey, this open house is coming then. Or, hey, this website is now open for your input. Um, and uh, so there's going to be a lot of opportunities for public engagement and dialogue, um, which will help shape our city over the next 20 years. There's a quote that I love uh, in, in talking about politics. Decisions are made by those who show up. And, um, you know, to, to, to kind of button this uh, first of I hope to be many podcasts where you come on, come on board here and give us maybe a, um, uh, the state of Kelowna and we'll definitely through the election definitely uh, would love to hear your insights and as to what's happening. But to take this thing from the beginning, uh, you were a guy that I went to school with. And one of the things that I noticed was how inclusive you were with everybody and how it's just everybody let's have a fun time now as the mayor you're still that guy you're still saying hey yeah come on out get involved um 
be a city that is proactive yeah. in the destiny of where our city is going to go. And it just, you can tell how important that is to you. It absolutely is. But I, I also have to be mindful though, too, of the fact that um, I do on occasion get accused of not listening. Uh, and people, especially when people are not happy with the decisions we make. And I want to say though, that there is a difference between not listening and, and maybe not agreeing. Mm. Um, I am always willing to listen. But at some point, I will have to make a decision on something. And you may not like that decision. It doesn't mean I didn't listen to you. Um, it just means that I feel like uh, the city needs to go in a different direction. Um, so, so don't be discouraged by that. Fair. If people think, feel that way, don't be discouraged. Correct. Still come out, still be part of the process. And I think what people are often shocked about too is is that when they actually sit down in front of me or, or pick up a phone, we have a telephone conversation about it, and we can talk it out, they go, okay. I understand, and I understand why you made that decision. I may not like it, or I may not agree with it, but I, I understand. And, that, and at the end of the day, I think that's all we can ask for is, is you can understand that, hey, um, I understand your perspective. I hope you understand mine. And um, at the end of the day, we're going to have a better city as a result of it because we all bring um, something positive to the community. And, um, and that to me is what's really cool. I just want more people here so that we have more diversity. And, um, and Kelowna at the end of the day is, and what we're striving for is for it to be a place that everybody can call home. And uh, it's not right now. And we have some challenges that we need to face. And um, I hope that I can help um, continue to work on some of those challenges in the four years uh, moving ahead. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on here. Really, really appreciate it. And we hope to have you back on closer to election. Awesome. Thanks, Absolutely. you guys. Thank you so much, Colin. For uh, Nowcast Kelowna with Chisholm and the Kid, my name is Mike Chisholm. I am the Kelowna Kid, Colin Cutler. Thanks very much. And we'll uh, check us out next time. Cheers. That was another episode of Chisholm and the Kid. Keep your eyes peeled on KelownaNow.com for the next one.